0: Great to be with you again. I actually haven't preached for quite a while, so anyway, I'm back. I always devote the middle two weeks in February to talking a little bit in-house, starting each year looking at who we are at Windsor Park, and we think about where God might be leading us, both during the year ahead, but more generally into the future. And of course, that's always built on where we've been in the past as well. I'm the sort of person who likes to think about the future, which I do through my own prayer life, I do through listening to others, bringing things together from multiple different places and trying to find the bits of gold as to what God might be saying to us as a community of faith, serving the communities that God has led us to serve now in our 73rd year. And it's an interesting time to be talking about vision. If the last four years have taught us anything, it's that none of us really have any idea what will happen tomorrow. In some ways, vision is kind of hard to actually talk about. This particular Sunday last year, we were actually holding our first service at Westlake Girls High School after our buildings here at Marangi Bay had been completely flooded by the Auckland anniversary weekend floods, and uh, that was a huge upheaval for us. Four years ago on this particular Sunday, I talked about innovation for the future. And then just a few short weeks later, that all came to fruition with that little word that still dominates our conversation, coronavirus or COVID. Who could imagine the innovation that we needed to employ in 2020, much of which we still use today, including the launch of our online campus that you are part of right now. As we hopefully start to emerge from both the global pandemic uh, and the floods we do find ourselves in a world that does look quite different to what it was five years ago. I feel like things have actually changed. Here in Aotearoa, New Zealand I think we're more divided as a people than we've ever been. We're unable to cope with differences of opinion perhaps like we once could. We're generally a little bit shorter with each other. Mental health is in serious decline. We know that throughout our nation. And the divisions that exist in society that relate to wealth or power are wider than they have ever been in recent history. So what does that mean for us? For those of us who profess to be followers of Jesus. And more particularly, what does that mean for us as a participant in the global community of faith that is the church. We are just one of millions of churches in our world, one of thousands of churches in our own country. Today, I want to suggest to you that the biggest challenge that we have when it comes to vision is not around programs or services or buildings or worship or whatever happens on stage. Here at Windsor Park, we have an incredible range of ministries that, in my opinion, is actually unparalleled. And this is the result of being a community of faith that has always been responsive to needs and opportunities that we see around us. We've never been scared to give things a go. And we've always empowered people to put their faith into action, supporting people in ministries and the things that they feel called to. A few months ago, we actually launched a a landing page for who we are at Windsor Park in an attempt to try and communicate our wide diversity. Check out windsorparkgroup.org.nz afterwards, and you can click on the four links to see the four entities that we manage our ministries through, the way in which we kind of structure ourselves. So rather than talking about projects and ideas and dreams today, I actually get the sense that the biggest challenge we have and what needs to be at the forefront of our vision moving forwards is all about what happens in our hearts and as it relates to our character that displays itself as the fruit of the Spirit in the way that we live our lives. And that's what our first series this year has been all about during January and last Sunday, habits that help us grow spiritually because habits build character. And as we saw last year in our sojourn through the entire book of Romans, Romans chapter five, verses one to five says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We, we cope with our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Over summer, as I was thinking and praying about our community, I felt led towards a story in the scriptures that might challenge us this year in ways that perhaps we need challenging with, but in ways that will be inherently difficult for us to walk through. Because what the story models is actually really, really hard to apply. Our lives actually show that quite clearly. The story is one that most of you will be familiar with. And that's a good thing. It's a story of Jesus' interaction with a woman at a well, a place where people drew water from back in the day. We read the story in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and in most of your Bibles, this interaction is probably called Jesus Talks with a Samaritan Woman. A fairly innocuous title until we understand the context. When we do understand the context, we might say the title in a different way. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman! What's up with that? (laughs) It's a remarkable story for any number of different reasons. And I'm just going to highlight just a a few of them. There's a, a whole lot more that could be added. Firstly, at the beginning of the story, we see that Jesus left Judea to go back to Galilee. But for whatever reason, that isn't described Jesus went back via Samaria and ended up in a town called Syka. This was far from the normal route. Google Maps would never suggest this direction. Maybe there was some kind of divine intervention going on. Secondly, the story begins about noon, and the passage says that Jesus was tired from the journey. So he sat down by the well. I mean, this is Jesus son of God, Messiah, showing us a glimpse of his humanity. Powerful stuff, actually. Jesus was tired. Jesus's conversation in this story is the longest conversation between Jesus and another person in any of the Gospels. That alone makes it very significant. Uh, Fourthly, And again, significantly, the conversation was with a a woman, not just any woman, but a Samaritan woman. Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus is male, single, religious, and Jewish. And clearly defined social boundaries ought to have kept him from speaking with a woman in such a private setting. Given all of these characteristics, and a bunch of others, It's fair to say that the attention, space, and initiative given to the Samaritan woman in her conversation with Jesus is sublimely remarkable. Something big is happening here. And the story is in the Bible for us to take notice. For those of you who perhaps aren't familiar with the story, I would encourage you to read it later. It's too long for me to read right now. But in summary... Jesus initiates a conversation with a Samaritan woman by asking her for a drink because he was tired and he was thirsty. The woman is surprised that Jesus would ask her for a drink for all of the cultural reasons that I've briefly mentioned. But that begins a long conversation where Jesus offers living water by saying to her in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, talking about the water from the well, But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The conversation goes on and they talk about worship. And ultimately, Jesus is revealed as being the Messiah. At the end of the story, the woman is revealed as being one of the, the earliest evangelists that we see in the Bible. And Jesus stays in the village for a couple of days. Many lives are transformed as a result. As they say in verse 42, Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Well, there are two sides to this story that I think we can have a really good think about for ourselves when we read and reflect upon it. Firstly, let's think about Jesus. And let's think about what Jesus models to us. We often say that spiritual growth is about, com- is about becoming more like Jesus. Acknowledging that we'll never actually be Jesus. But following Jesus is about moving to become more like him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him, in Jesus, must live as Jesus did. And there are plenty of other scriptures in that vein that encourages us to become like Jesus as we learn more about him and live in his shadow. So, if we are ascribing to be more like Jesus, then in this story, Jesus delights in breaking traditional cultural barriers that separate people. He takes a risk. He reaches out. He speaks. In the flow of the world at that time, one could describe Jesus' conversation as being outlandish. But this is precisely the point. In speaking to the woman in the way he did, at the time he did, Jesus models a love that is very hard for us to both accept and, as it would prove to be, to live. But it is what he requires of us. At no point in this story do we see Jesus judging the woman for any perceived lifestyle behaviors we might have placed, perhaps unfairly, on this woman over the last many, many hundreds of years. Jesus certainly demonstrates that he knows her, but his discussion is squarely and totally based around encouraging her to find the living water that he offers and to lead her into a position of worshipping in spirit and in truth. I find it difficult to put to words just how powerfully significant this is and what it means to us today. The church, historically and today, is viewed by most people outside of the church as being very judgmental, very rules-based, with a long moral code that people need to live by so that they can even be partially accepted by the church. The result of this is that I think Jesus is unfairly represented many of us who speak on behalf of Jesus. The story of Jesus talking with a Samaritan woman is diametrically different. Jesus' sole focus is on helping this woman recognize him and then offering her living water so that she might worship in spirit and in truth. And truth means recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, Son of God, Savior of the world. The woman at the well could well represent anyone who we think doesn't fit in our neat, tidy Christian boxes. Jesus is for them. Whoever they are, no matter what they've done, no matter how they live, Jesus talks to them and he points them towards eternity without demanding anything in response. You know, we already live out some of this in our ministries here at Windsor Park. I want to give you a couple of examples. Haven is a ministry that supports women and families with unintended pregnancies as they navigate their options. Now, we are 100% life-affirming, but we also support women post-abortion if that is the decision that they have made. When we started this ministry, I said that, you know, one day I'm going to get a call from the media about our position on abortion because we support people who have had abortions. Those involved in Haven, led so capably by Marina Young, are doing what Jesus does in this story, pointing people without judgment towards the living water. We would love to have some more volunteers to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this ministry. Secondly, The End of Life Choice Act 2019 is a law that gives people with a terminal illness the option of receiving assisted suicide. The act came into force on the 7th of November 2021, 12 months after the 2020 euthanasia public referendum was declared in favor of the legislation. being the first church in New Zealand to run a fully-fledged funeral home, We regularly get asked to support people and families as they end their lives. Those involved in Windsor funerals, led so capably by Hazel James, do what Jesus did in in the story. They point people without judgment towards the living water. We would actually love to have some more volunteers be the hands and feet of Jesus in this particular ministry. That's just a couple of examples from within our established ministries. But the example that Jesus models here needs to continue to go further than just some of our ministries. This is something that needs to be grown within the character of our lives as we continue to interact with our community, the people that live around us. And let's name the elephant in the room. What does this story say about how we should interact and treat people in all the various guises of sexuality that are more open today than they have ever been? I know that whenever I mention this publicly, people get upset with me. But all I'm asking you is to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? I think this story in John chapter 4 shows us how Jesus would treat these people. The other side of the story relates to the actual woman at the well. I'd like to call her by her name, but her name isn't mentioned. What she models for us is worth thinking about when it comes to our own spiritual growth, which fundamentally is by far the most important thing we can talk about when we're thinking about our vision for the church. Spiritual Spiritual growth is infinitely more important than buildings or music or the choice of coffee or whatever else that really is peripheral, but the things that we often like to talk about when we're talking about vision. We see in this woman's life, Three things that are modeled to us. Three things about spiritual growth that I think we could think some more about this year. Uh, Firstly, she asks plenty of questions to get a greater understanding from Jesus. Verse 9, she says, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Verse 11, Where can you get this living water? And again, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who who gave us the well and drank from it himself and did also his sons and his flocks and his his herds when she was trying to work out who Jesus was? We then see lots of discussion with Jesus as she sought to understand what Jesus was telling her, the responses to the questions that she had. Questions, discussion, a heart for ongoing learning— all the hallmarks of being willing to grow, to put aside presuppositions and things that we might have been taught for a long time and be be open to change. And then, thirdly, from all that she then understood and she experienced in the presence of Jesus, she had the courage to go back and tell people. Clearly, her life had changed. Because verse 39 says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, Because of the woman's testimony, in verse 41, and because of his words, when they went and listened to him, many more became believers. Questions, discussion, living a changed life that leads to a living testimony that ultimately seems to change many people from that town. I mean, it's nothing short of a a powerful story, a, a model of what it means to be transformed by Jesus and then to live in a life that rubs off on others. During 2024, we're going to go on a journey that is somewhat aligned to this. At the end of February, we're going to start a series that looks at the foundations of our faith, the fundamentals of our faith, the pillars that we stand on. And then we're going to look at some things that maybe aren't so much pillars but things that we can actually agree to disagree on, which is well proven to be the hardest thing to do in the church today. After that, we're going to look at some characters from the Bible. We're going to look at how they told their stories, how they lived their lives, with a view to thinking about, well, how can our lives tell a story? What are the tools that we can employ for people to hear or see or understand the difference Jesus has made in our lives? I wonder if this story from John chapter 4 might become a, a key story for us this year. As we grow spiritually to consider how we respond to people who don't fit our neat little boxes based on how Jesus did that. And as we consider how we might be open to being lifelong learners who ask questions, who are prepared to discuss the big issues, who are courageous enough to consider that we might need to change our views but who are open enough to allow our stories to be the example of how God works through imperfect, ordinary people. Like the stories end, are those who maybe have the courage to invite others to join us as students and learners of being people of the way, followers of Jesus. If we could achieve these things, I reckon vision will take care of itself. And we will take steps towards achieving more of what we say in our written words that is our overall vision. That is, we are participants. We we help to grow stronger communities by putting our faith into action, which is an ongoing journey. And here's my challenge. I'd love you to take some time this week to read this passage through a few times. The Gospel of John chapter 4. You can get hold of this passage both in your Bible or on your Bible apps or you can download a copy of my notes from our website or our app as I've included the whole passage at the beginning of my notes. After reading it, meditate upon anything that sticks out. Think about what you have read that you maybe haven't read before or think about anything that's not there that you thought might have been there then after some meditation, spend some time in prayer. The, the sort of prayer that is not telling God what you think, but the kind of prayer that is listening to what God might be saying to you, that's the hardest prayer. And then as you go about your week, spend some time contemplating what the application of that scripture might mean for you. As you read, meditate, pray, and contemplate, you'll actually be taking part in a spiritual practice that has its roots in the 6th century called Lectio Divina, which is a Latin term meaning divine reading, a practice that has become increasingly popular over the last 1,400 years and particularly in the last few years. In this process, we treat Scripture as a, a living word, not something to be studied, but something to be lived. I reckon our vision for the kingdom of God might become greater with a simple rhythm like Lectio Divina. And that is my prayer for us as we reflect upon this powerful story, powerful story that changed lives back then and continues to change our lives. While We have the courage to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this week. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. As Lectio Divina says, it is alive. It speaks to us. It is relevant. It is good for our time. It has spoken to generations after generations of people. And I thank you for the story. Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman, but the story is so much powerful than its title. We thank you for the example that both Jesus gives us and that the Samaritan woman gives us. Jesus, a desire, an application of of loving all people, of pointing all people towards the living water without judgment. And the woman, a a model of spiritual growth, having the courage to ask, to talk, to think, to allow herself to be changed and then to be a a living testimony to her own town, many of which came to hear Jesus over those following days, would change themselves. Father, as we go into this week, I pray that we might have that courage to read, to meditate, to pray, to contemplate, to think about what this means for us, and to develop habits in our lives that might continue to to feed us this year as we seek to bring about your purposes in our world. We we thank you for the 73-year history of our community of faith, but the thousands of years history of your global church. Might we seek to honor you and glorify you as we participate with our brothers and sisters throughout our own nation and throughout the globe in pointing people towards the living water, helping people worship in spirit and in truth. So, Father, bring revival, but bring it to us. Bring it through us. Help us to listen to what you are saying in Jesus' name. Amen.